without further ado. That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to the Buckets Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Titus, here with my boy, co-host Adam Koffler. What's up, dude? We're recording on Labor Day. How's your holiday weekend? We got football coming this week. Man, what's your, what's your weekend looking like? Bro, it's September. We've got, this is the month that preseason NBA kicks off. We've got the NFL around the corner. Like, it's been a long time since we've had these sports kind of overlap. So we've got fantasy football draft season coming to an end here. And then fantasy basketball draft season picks right up. So I'm excited to, you know, go through some, uh, an early look at overvalued players and some undervalued players. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to take a look. ESPN released their rankings, their early season rankings. So we're going to take a deep dive of some of the people that we think are just completely overvalued. And you might want to rethink some of the positions of where you're grabbing these guys. And uh, we'll give you some more context to that as we talk about, you know, as we get closer to this draft season, we're going to be going through Yahoo rankings. We're going to go through our own top 150 rankings, but this will just kick us off real nicely. But for those that I know that it was a crazy college football weekend, if you're interested in making money, make sure you check out Big Bets on Campus. They have you covered as well as the Fantasy Flex, which is going to be going Full steam ahead this week as we kick off the NFL season on Thursday. So make sure you listen to that. And I know it just got some breaking news for those that do watch fantasy football. Justice Hill is going to be out for the season with a torn Achilles. And the Ravens are bringing in Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell. Just want to get your quick take, uh, Koffer, being that you do football too, man. What do you think this means? Let's be honest, man. Like, Le'Veon Bell signed with the Chiefs last season. The dude looked like complete toast he played he played like 30 35 percent of the snaps at this point in his career Le'Veon Bell is a pass protector and that's exactly what the Ravens need they've got Gus Bus Edwards uh manning the first and second down role and he'll probably still see anywhere from 50 to 65 percent of the snaps then he'll probably get 15 17 carries a game you're really bringing in a guy like Le'Veon Bell or Devontae Freeman uh, to play those third downs, to pass protect for Lamar um, uh, at long down the distance. I, I don't I don't really see that affecting Gus Edwards very much. I mean, Dobbins was going to be playing with Gus Edwards behind him. So, you know, Gus will be fine. This team still wants to run the ball a lot. So I, I don't know that it has much effect from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, agreed. They have a pretty favorable schedule to start out the season too. So even if Le'Veon Bell or Devontae Freeman winds up coming in as the uh, the free agent, back to spell Gus Edwards on third downs and pass protection. I don't think it's going to be a huge mover for uh, his early season outlook. So if you guys scooped up Gus Edwards, congratulations, man. The guy's going to be uh, a fantasy steal if you drafted before, you know, obviously the news of the Dobbins injury. But that's all fantasy football talk. You, you can listen to more of that on the Fantasy Flex with Sean Kerner and Chris Raybon. But we're here for fantasy hoops, man, and we're going to go through – Let's just get started, man. Let's go through some of this ESPN rankings that we are just not a fan of. So I'll kick it off with uh, Luka Doncic. Dallas Mavericks guard forward, obviously, is ranked number two. And Koffler, you got beef with it. Why? Man, so we're, so let's, let's first kind of set the stage here. We're talking, we're talking ESPN's category rankings, right? We're not, ta- we're not talking points rankings, right? For points rankings, 
you'd want you know the guys that just smash the box score with as many stats as possible. And Luca's that kind of guy, right? Like kind of like a uh, you know Russell Westbrook light. You don't care about percentages, uh, turnovers, okay, whatever. But in but in nine cat leagues, there's some places where Luca's going to hurt you. And to take him two overall after the consensus number one and Nikola Jokic, like I'm not so sure. And and here's the reason why. Luca's going to hurt you in two categories. At least he has in the past, and that's turnovers. He averaged 4.3 turnovers per game last season. That's a ton of turnovers. The, the guy is just, you know, you're punting turnovers when you go with Luka Doncic. At the same time, he's also going to hurt you in free throw percentage. He hasn't shot higher than 75% in his first three seasons. And the problem with punting both of those categories is the players that fit that mold of punting those two categories are guys I'm not interested in drafting this season. LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Zion Williamson to an extent. Like It's a very specific build that you'd have to go with if you take Luka Doncic, especially number two. Like You're passing on some guys where your build is only sort of punting one category instead, and you have a ton more options on how to go ahead and build your lineup out if you take a guy other than Luka Doncic. And I'm not saying Luka has peaked. I'm saying, you know, Luka could, he could put up like 39 and nine. Like he could put up some ballistic numbers, but he's still going to, he's still probably going to tank your free throw percentage because he takes so many per game. And then he's going to tank your turnovers as well. But if you want to go down that build, that's fine. But I think at number two, you're talking an overvalued guy. So I don't disagree with the fact that if you're talking category, head-to-head categories leagues, he's going to hurt you in a couple categories, such as turnovers and free throws. However, I will say that there's an opportunity for improvement. You know, Luca could easily get up into the mid-70s for his free throws. Last year, I think that that might have been a bit of an anomaly. He did take a significant dip there. But his turnovers aren't as bad as you think they are. You know, Steph Curry averaged 34 you know, that's one less turnover than Luca, right? And there's a potential that, you know, now with Jason Kidd as the head coach, he's going to probably see an uptake in minutes, which would correlate to more production, right? So while the efficiency gains aren't there for a number two pick, the stats are. So if you do employ a, a punting strategy, you could easily still be very productive because no one cares about turnovers anyway in the first two rounds. Let's be serious. Like, at least I don't. So, you know, if it's really about the free throws, I can marry him with other players in the second and third rounds that would still round out my team to be pretty effective in nine cat leagues. Yeah. So I'm just, uh, yeah, agree. Right. I'm just personally off Luca because I don't like guys that have a lot of turnovers. Typically those are guys that like, those are guards handle the ball a lot and, and they shoot free throws well. So with Luca, you're, you're setting yourself up for a very, very specific build. If you miss out on those guys, now you're kind of screwing with your, you know, your punting strategy because there aren't there aren't very many guys that shoot a terrible free throw percentage, and also are terrible with turnovers. Like Rudy Gobert doesn't turn the ball over, but he doesn't shoot free throws. So it's like, you know, it's like there's like kind of a mixed thing. Personally, like I mean, if Luca drops to me at like you know seven, eight, nine, ten, okay, I'm taking my chance and I'll figure it out. Oh, not, seven, not, eight, nine, yeah, ten. I'm, ser- he's I'm never, serious. He's not falling. I'm that, serious. He's not falling that low. He's not falling. Yo, that low. he's he should he should be going around six or seven. There's six or seven guys that I'd rather have in, in nine cat leagues. To be I'm honest, I'm gonna with you. respectfully disagree and say he's top five. But 
Hey, you're you're blinded. To me, he's he's not getting out of the mid round. To me, mid you're blinded round. by the face of the NBA. I get it, man. He's the face of the NBA, but he's not he's not the face I of mean, nine cat leagues, I mean, man. He literally he literally could be a thirty nine and nine guy next season. Hey, Russell West Russell Westbrook was like 25, 12, and twelve, and he finished that, like not, you know like 50, 77 overall last season. All all about the parent. All about the parent. But let's let's, let's uh yeah. So agreed. I mean, I'm not taking him at two. I'll, so I agree with that. I'm not taking him at two. Okay. Um, but I'm not letting him slide past five. <laughs> so let's go to the next guy. ESPN has Kevin Durant at number three. What are they smoking on, man? Like, it's not that Kevin Durant isn't one of the best players on the planet. We saw that. The dude balled out all season, played through injury, went to the Olympics, got gold, had one of the most efficient seasons of his career, and only a career low 33.1 minutes. You know, he shot the best field goal percentage, second highest assist total he's ever had. So, do you see any justification for him being the number three pick off the board, though? No, and and this is where you really need either. to like li- you you really need to like listen. You need to listen to like us and other kind of sharp you know people in the industry that are kind of going against the 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 big giant ESPN and Yahoo rankings because when you go to the drafts in your ESPN Yahoo leagues, like KD's gonna be sitting there at three, and you're gonna be like, well, you know, should I take that? Maybe he is third maybe he's the third best player like i don't really know that much like should i should i go that route and like the answer is no he finished he yeah sure he finished seventh per uh seventh overall on a per game basis last season but he only played 12 of his 35 games in the regular season with james harden and kyrie irving so the other 23 games either one of those guys missed the game so so like that probably boosted his ranking a little bit right so you're probably looking at a guy he's really safe I, I kind of compare him to like Nick Chubb, like amazing at what he does, but there's, there's a ceiling, right? And it's not number three overall. There's seven, eight, nine guys I'd rather have before Kevin Durant. And you're also talking about the end of the season. Like this is a Nets team that's going to, you know, it's going to be similar to the Lakers where like they're going to be resting, you know, KD, James Harden, Kyrie kind of, you know, intermittently one's going to rest here and one's going to rest there similar to how the Lakers are going to do it with LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook. So I'm just like not interested in the, the low ceiling per se and the, you know, the thought that he could miss some games down the stretch when you're trying to, you know, get as many games as possible from guys in the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, I feel that. And I, I totally see the argument where, to me, Kevin Durant is a top I, – I could see him as a top seven selection. Personally, I have him at number nine. Uh, so I, I could see him more so as a back end selection and mainly because of what you just alluded to primarily with the the scheduling. So the Lakers and the Nets actually have the most favorable schedule this season in terms of back to backs. They play a total of 12 all season, but they play only three after the all star break, which is really interesting to me. So let's just say, hypothetically speaking, Durant misses a bunch of games in the beginning of the season. You know, they want to get load manage him in the beginning so that he's ready for the end. He could be, if you have the clout, you know, the, the, the draft capital or the players to go get him after the trade, the all-star break. I mean, that might be a good move because they have, he may not be resting as much in the, in the second half of the season as he may be in the beginning of the season. And who knows where their playoff positioning could be because the East did get better. Um, I still think that they'll still be the best, but you know, the justification for him being number three though is, is too, it's too out of bounds and I can't get there. So yeah, I, I agree. He's still a first round pick late rounder for me though. Honestly. Yeah, I hear that. And honestly for me, and this might be, you know, you might disagree with this. 
in terms of in terms of the Lakers big three and the Nets big three, I wouldn't be excited about picking any of those guys at their ranking right now. Like there, there are plenty of other guys that I would rather have that I feel way more excited about the upside and the, the thought that they might play, you know, a full slate of games. Right. You can't not obviously take into consideration the health, the age and the rest for Kevin sure. Durant sure. at this point. So I think you're kind of baking that in. So Easily a fade at number three. So let's go to the next guy we got here. We're going Nikola Vucevic at number 10. So for me, you didn't have this one on your list, but let me tell you why. So Vuce is obviously a beast. One of the most consistent bigs we have in fantasy hoops today. Despite that, 10's too high for me since joining Chicago. The minutes are down. He's lost two minutes. The usage has dropped 0.1%. Now, while that may, may seem small... Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan are not even in the picture yet. So to me, someone's got to suffer here, right? And I don't see with Zach Levine still in the mix, I think it's actually going to be Vucevic whose points are going to suffer. His rebounds should be good. His assists are probably going to come down a bit. And that was one of the advantages of having Vucevic was he gave you threes. He's pretty much one of those Carl Anthony Towns type guys where he doesn't, doesn't hurt you in any category, right? And I think that something's going to fall. And I think it's going to really be his opportunity and his volume and his usage rate. I don't think he's going to be worthy of a first round pick. I could grab him in the second round easily. I think that that really makes sense. But I'm definitely sliding him back to more of a top 20 guy versus a top 10. I don't think he's worthy of a first round pick, just given how many mouths to feed there's going to be in Chicago. Yeah, and he's also like part of the ambiguous punt strategy. Like when you draft him, like what are you punting? And I think think that's almost like concerning, right? Because... When you draft a guy like Zion Williamson, his ranking or value appears greater if your punt strategy is free throws. But with with Vooch, it's like this ambiguous, like, okay, what are you punting? I mean, I, I guess assists, um, but he's a big man. So, like, big men don't typically, you know, except Jokic, get assists like that. He finished 11 last season. Yeah, he's, gonna, he's not going to finish 11 this season in Chicago. The ball's right. not going to run through him as much as it did in Orlando, for sure. Right. So, but but I think I think he's a safe top twenty five guy. Uh, just ten is way too rich for me. Yeah, second round pick. I'm I'm with it. Just not in the first round. Don't no do way. it to yourself. So the next guy. I mean, this was probably the biggest jaw dropping eye opener for us. LeBron, the King James, number twelve overall. Are are we playing this like this is two thousand and eight here? Like. I'm, I'm confused. Why is LeBron James 12th overall? You mean to tell me in a 12-team league, you're taking this man in a first round? Uh, ESPN, what are you doing? Here's what I wrote on my notes. I had to do a double take to just make sure we were in the year 2021 <laughs> to, make sure that these, to make sure that these rankings were up to date because LeBron might have been 12th like two, three years ago when he was you know, leading the Cavs you know, all by himself there. But yeah, I mean, he ranked, what did he rank last season? 34th overall. Now you add, you add Russell Westbrook to the picture and all of a sudden, like there's, there's his points are going to come down. His assists are going to come down. Westbrook's a great rebounding guard. So LeBron's rebounds are going to come down. Okay. He might turn the ball over 0.5 times less. His percentages are going to be the same. He's never going to be a good free throw shooter, right? The old goal percentage might go up a tick, but I don't think he's finishing as like a top 40 guy this season. 
like the only way I'm drafting LeBron is if he falls to like 50 and then it just becomes like, you know, a value. But in a, in a, you know, generally speaking, if you're in a Yahoo or ESPN league where he's on the board, like the 15th guy off the board, somebody's going to take him because it's LeBron James, but that somebody won't be me. And it probably won't be you either Titus. Yeah. I'm in complete agreement. LeBron's an easy fade for me strictly off. You know, he's really here just because of his name. Like, let's be serious. Like, there's no performance-wise, he finished 31st in per-game average last season, which, and his stats were still really good. Don't get me wrong. But the most concerning thing that I see is that his minutes have gone down each of the last five seasons. And with more ammo, more veteran leadership around him, there's no reason for him to play that like he's, you know, on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, this is not, it's not that type of LeBron. And I don't, I don't see this being worthy of anywhere near as a first-round pick. To me, he's more of a third, fourth round pick. I don't know if I can go fifth round. That's a little deep, but he's definitely not. I mean, you're, you're losing two rounds of value if you're selecting LeBron James as the, the 12th overall pick. Yeah, no doubt. Like, there's guys, there's so many guys I'd rather have than LeBron. So many guys. So many like guys. I, like, I'd rather have, uh, I'd rather have CJ McCollum than LeBron James. I mean, but like, so one thing we were talking about in the green room beforehand, green room, like we actually got like a studio and shit. Um, one thing that we were talking about was like, I think if we're talking about, if I'm taking Luca number two, I think LeBron, if you can get past the resting side of it, given their schedule, I think he actually would be a good person to pair with, with Luca. Cause they put up the same kind of stats. They're stat stuffers in the major categories. They hurt you in the turnovers and the free throws, but they pretty much do everything else. But let's go to uh, the most improved player of the year and why ESPN is gassing this man to be the 15th overall pick. I'm talking about New York Knicks forward center Julius Randle. Talk to me about Julius Randle. I mean, this was your dude last year, though. For context, we, ha- I ha- we-, we play in a league together. I had selected like some bum. I'm not even going to admit who it was, to be honest, but you grabbed him. Really good hey, value last it year. It was Brandon, Brandon Clark. It was, Brandon- <laughs> it was definitely Brandon Clark. I was high on the man with Jay, with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. out and all that. Yeah, that was a mistake. Don't take that as my fantasy advice, yo. Don't that that was not it. That was not it. That was a flyer in the mid rounds. However, I will say this dude's ADP last year was 100, so he finished out number 39, which is crazy. Easily most improved player in terms of fantasy, most improved player in terms of the NBA. But Koffer, I want to know why you don't think he's worthy of 15. Everyone knows Tom Thibodeau gives his starters lots of minutes and i think julius randall led the league in minutes or was second to Jokic or something like that but it was it was up there and so was rj barrett uh for the Knicks. um but we're talking about 15th off the board you said what he finished his 39th last season and i think that 39th is his peak value so yeah like we were screaming from the rooftops last season to draft julius randall because his adp was around 100 like you said and we were calling him like a top 50 guy. And I kept saying the whole season, like Julius Randle is probably going to finish higher than Zion Williamson. And it was like that for the majority of the season, you know, in a, in a categories league, because Randall just does so much more and doesn't hurt you in as many categories as, as Zion does. And Zion's part, you know, he's part of a specific build like we've been talking about. With the additions of Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier in free agency, it's clear what the Knicks are doing. The Knicks are trying to win. The Knicks aren't trying to put more on Julius Randle's plate. They're trying to take some some stuff off of Julius Randle's plate. They brought back Derrick Rose. So they've got ball handlers now. Like, there's there's no way I see Julius Randle still averaging six assists per game with those ball handlers there full-time. 
So, you know, for me at 15, he's an easy fade. I love Julius Randle. I'm, I'd be willing to take him, you know, top 30, top 35, something like that. Take him over LeBron James, no question about it. But at 15th overall, no way, no way. I'd rather have Fred Van Vliet. Oh, I'd much rather have Fred Van Vliet. We'll talk about that on the next show. But, yeah, I, I, I agree with you here. Adding so many ball-dominant weapons such as Derrick Rose, you know, Emmanuel quickly is going into his second year, and then you go out and get Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker. To me, this just screams that, I mean, if you looked at the playoffs, right, what did Atlanta do? They just double-teamed and harassed Randall and let everybody else create a shot and make a bucket. Problem is, they couldn't. So they went out and got some offensive talent. So by nature of it, I think we're going to see less dependency on Julius Randle this season, which is going to affect his efficiency, his assists, and most likely his points. I'm expecting that to dip a little bit. And uh, definitely not worth the price of an early second rounder, but I'm probably targeting him more in the third round. Um, as you said, as a top 30 guy, top 40 guy rather than a top 20. So let's go to the next guy. We got Russell Westbrook, number 18 overall. ESPN must love those Lakers, man. Or maybe they're just in a time warp time machine or something. Cause I don't let me, can you explain why he would be 18? No, it doesn't make any sense. Unless, unless they, unless ESPN mixed up their rankings and thought they were doing a points league because I could, I could maybe <laughs> see that in a points league, but Russell we might, Westbrook, to, we, like, we might need to confirm. We were looking at head to head categories here because at this rate, bro, <laughs> when you, when you draft Russell Westbrook, like you're, you're, I mean, you're, you're punting, you're punting three different categories, basically field goal percentage, free throw percentage and turnovers. And when you're punting those, you know, you, you expect like this crazy value in other categories, which is what Westbrook gave you with the wizards last season. He averaged, you know, 22, like almost 12 and 12. It was insane, but you're not going to see those kind of numbers in LA, you know, playing alongside LeBron and AD who also need the ball. So you're going to you're going to get hurt in those three categories, but you're not going to get the the fulfillment in the, the counting uh, stats. So, I mean, 18 overall is nuts. Like I barely even want him like top 60. Like we're talking we're talking guys, you know, like Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Harris LeVert, Mike Conley. Like I'd rather have I'm just looking down a list. I'd rather have all those guys than Russell Westbrook. And I know it sounds insane because like. Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, man. But like I said in the beginning of the show, like I'm, I'm fading Russ, LeBron, AD, and the Nets big three all at their ranking because someone else is going to bite on that high ranking, and it's not going to be me. I feel that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking the bait. I'm good. No 18 way. overall. There, you're. That's that's a uh, way off base for a head-to-head categories league. So totally agree with you there. My next dude. Number 27 overall, had a great run in the in the uh, playoffs. D-Book, my man Devin Booker, sitting at 27. I love the dude, and he's becoming one of the best two guards in the league. However, you know, Booker, I feel like, is one of those guys that's better in real life than fantasy. And while I'd love to believe that he could return top 30 value like he did before Chris Paul entered the, the situation, I, I just don't think he's going to get there. And he started out slow last year ended up finishing 75th overall. And, you know, I think having him as a top 30 player, you're baking in the fact that he's going to take this next leap forward in an offense to me that honestly, probably his usage is always there, but their tempo and their ability to get other people involved because they're a really deep team. 
I think it's going to cap his upside. And I think at best you're looking forward to like a 26, four and four type of outing from him, which to me is going to put him in the high forties, you know, probably, you know, easily a fourth or fifth round pick because of the lack of scoring, the scoring that's going to come with a lot of turnovers and less assists. You know, if this was pre, you know, if Chris Paul wasn't there or he decided to go somewhere else, Devin Booker to the moon. But at 27, I can't get behind it as a top 30 player. Yeah, we were all calling him a first round pick last season. And we didn't understand the effect that Chris Paul would have on Devin Booker's fantasy value. But clearly, yeah, Booker's assists, what they do, they drop from like over six to down to 4.3 a game. Because Chris Paul became the point guard, whereas the season before, Devin Booker did a lot of the ball handling. So Devin Booker, you know, we we talked about on the last episode not being enamored in nine cat leagues by guys that just score the basketball. Devin Booker is the definition of that. And while that's good and he's not going to hurt you in very many categories, he's not doing enough to probably be a top 25, top 30 guy. Like he finished 75 overall last season. And and while he got better towards the end of the season because he kind of learned how to play with Chris Paul a little bit, probably picked up the assist numbers a little bit. You're still looking at a guy who's capped at around five assists per game and, uh, you know, fewer than 4.5 rebounds per game and, and not a ton of defensive stats. So, you know, it, the, the upside's really not there that you'd want, at, you know, for a top 30 guy. So let's kick it to Memphis. <laughs> you got a lot to say about this guy, man. I feel like he's one, probably one of the more frustrating players to manage or roster on a team. And that's John Morant, because Similar to Booker, I feel like he always passed the eye test when you watch him play. But when you get into the fantasy, when you get to the fantasy deep dive, he's just not the guy that you want. So right now they have John Moran at 41. How do you feel about this? You know those things on Twitter where it's like they show a graphic and it's like it's like talent uh, versus like production or talent. And then there's like two different bars. Like I feel like that's John Moran. Like the talent's there. I think he's a really good basketball player. I think he's really good for the Memphis Grizzlies. But he was ranked 135 per game his rookie season, 157 last season. And all of a sudden, he's going to improve to 41st overall in 2021-22. There's absolutely no way. Like he didn't he didn't improve. He didn't improve his sophomore season. He's not he's never going to shoot the ball that well. His free throw percentage isn't good. He's going to turn the ball over. He's not going to hit threes. He doesn't have that many defensive stats. And his assists, like you would think for a guy like that who's handling the ball a lot, that his assist numbers would be close to like double digits. He didn't even hit eight assists per game last season. So, and if I'm not mistaken, he didn't. He doesn't get like that 35 minutes. Like he was capped at like 32, 33. I know he was battling some injuries, but like Memphis runs a pretty deep rotation. They've got like a 10 or 11 man rotation there. I just can't, I can't get there on Morant. Like I took him in like the seventies last season and that was still too early. Like he was so frustrating. So great player, but in real life, but not, not a fantasy basketball, you know, type for me. Yeah. I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about their 10 to 12 man rotation. Shout out to Matt Moore of the other buckets podcast. He's got a, a long shot flyer on DeAnthony Melton for six man of the year. And uh, we know we saw Memphis make quite a few moves this offseason. But, you know, I can't, you know, John Morant played amazing before that high ankle sprain, right? And that's obviously tanked his value. You, you, you got to mention that. But that being said, you, I think you highlighted several areas of opportunity where he's going to have to do a lot of growth to creep up into 41 range. The turnovers, 
better efficiency with free throws and field goal. I mean, we'd like to see more three pointers too, and more defensive metrics. So until he can, that's a lot to correct in one season. So I think he can make the climb easily from 157, right? You know, to a, to be a top 75 probably player, but 40 is a bit rich. Go to the next dude we agree with. Another bull, DeMar DeRozan. I'll speak on him first just because I already talked about Vooch and how I feel about that crowded situation in Chicago. But, you know, points-wise, I think he's going to probably still hover around that 20-point that range. But the assists have got to tank. I mean, at this point, you know, this guy was averaging a career high last season, over six assists. Um, and at this point with Levine there with Lonzo ball, even Vucevic will, will drop some dimes for you. Kobe white off the bench. I don't think we're going to see DeMar DeRozan be as prominent as a point guard, that point forward that we saw in San Antonio. But I guess the good thing is he's finished as a top 50 player in the last five years. And so I think he's actually going to continue to hover in that range. You know, I, I think cracking the top 50, I think is a bit ambitious. I see him more as a top 60 guy. So Either way, you're still going to be getting him in around the fifth round, but I'm not going to reach for DeMar DeRozan face off of last year's stats. What you saw last year, I believe, was his ceiling, and what you're going to be getting in Chicago is probably more of the median or, or even maybe closer to the floor. Yeah, I'm going to be harsh here. By looking at last season's stats is how you lose fantasy basketball the next season, and it's, it's specific examples like this where DeRozan – popped out, had a career year with assists because Derek White was out and, yeah. you know, sort of led the led the backward uh, in San Antonio. He's on a completely different team with a point guard in Lonzo Ball that handles the ball a lot and is a big-time assist man. So DeMar DeRozan's not going to be asked to do that. Now you're looking at a guy who's probably going to score. He scored like 21 points a game last season with almost seven assists per game. That's nuts. Like, he's not going to do that in Chicago. It's too many other guys that need to score. I could see those points coming down to like 18, 19 a game, which would be like, I think, almost the lowest in his career. Uh, and those assist numbers are going to drop to like the four-ish range. Like we're talking about, this is what we're talking about here. We're going to be talking about like a Devin Booker type that doesn't score as much and that doesn't hit threes. I'm just not interested in those players. Generally speaking, I'm not interested in aging vets that go to new teams that have a lot of different weapons on that team. I'm just out on the Bulls, the Lakers. They're just too stacked with a lot of talent that I think is going to cannibalize each other. I, I can't get behind it at 49, but yeah, as I said, I think he's 60 range, maybe even 70. If uh, there's more of an effect of the usage going to other guys, like you stated. So the next guy is a bit of a head scratcher here, and I'll let you drop the knowledge on why Cade Cunningham at 52 is just Damn right, asinine. <laughs> Fantasy players get enamored with rookies. Rookies can perform in the NFL admirably. We've seen that with quarterbacks recently, right? Rookies in the NBA take longer. Rookies in the NBA are sort of like rookie tight ends. They just take a while to acclimate. And here's, here's, some, here's some rookies and their finishes in fantasy basketball over the last few years. John Morant, 135. LaMelo Ball, 73. Anthony Edwards, 119. Tyrese Halliburton, 65. But he was uber and hyper efficient. His assist to turnover ratio last season was incredible. And like he was, for all intents and purposes, I thought Halliburton was amazing last season. And he still only finished 65th overall on a per game basis. Luka Doncic, 100. Trey Young, 125. We're talking about 
you know, really good players here that just didn't finish well their rookie season because either they didn't shoot the ball very well, they turned the ball over a lot. They just take a while to, you know, kind of work out their percentages, figure out the assisted turnover ratio. Unless the only guy that finished good well was DeAndre Ayton, and he averaged like 16 and a half points, 10 boards, a block and a steal, low turnovers. Like, I think big men can be okay as rookies when they come in and they have a, a specific role. I, I, I can't see that for Cade Cunningham right off the bat in Detroit. I think he's going to start, but I worry about the efficiency and, and some of the turnover issues. So, you know, I would take a chance on Cade Cunningham probably in the 70s, but I can't reach, you know, 50. Like, we're talking about he's going around a guy like OG Ananobi, who obviously, you know, is my guy. I can't justify Kate Cunningham around 50. Yeah. I'm generally leery on any rookie making a huge impact in that first season. And I think you get some promising numbers. If you're a, a Kate Cunningham truther, he did have a 31% usage rate in the, pre, in the summer league with, without most of the prominent Pistons on the floor. And when I say prominent, you know, Isaiah Stewart played like one game, Killian Hayes played like one game. I do think the one thing that's going well for him is that Killian Hayes doesn't look that good. And I don't know if maybe he's just needing to mature or get used to the NBA style of play a little bit more, but I think Kate is there. So I think he's going to probably contribute in the assist category more than most people might expect. And we saw that, you know, obviously at Oak state, he, he got, he didn't have enough talent around him to really get those assists, but I think the potential assist would be there with people like Jeremy Grant, potentially Isaiah Stewart taking the step forward and, and Kelly Olenek coming over from, from Houston who had the best season of his career. I think he's actually going to slide in really well as a better version of Mason Plumley, But I think you're right. I think he'll be a solid contributor in year one, but I'm not going to be having high expectations for this guy to get to 52. So I'm going to fade him at that ADP and take him much later. If he's available, sure. But yeah, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be taking any flyers on him that, that early in the draft. So the next dude we got, we got two, two more people to wrap it up here. Going back to the Knicks, this one, we're going with Kemba Walker, newly acquired Kemba Walker from the Boston Celtics. Do you want to take that one? Yeah, I think it's pretty simple. And I think I sort of mentioned this before, right? I'm generally off guys, veterans that are going into new teams that, you know, are kind of established, going for a playoff run. Even though I, I talked about how Tom Thibodeau gives his starters lots of minutes, I feel like Kemba's going to be splitting a lot with Derrick Rose. And then RJ Barrett handles the ball and Julius Randle handles the ball. And I'm not so sure there's much left for Kemba Walker to hit his peak value, which is where, you know, at 53 overall, like you're drafting him at what he was last season in Boston. And I'm not sure if he comes anywhere close to that. So for that reason, I'm off Kemba. Um, and then I, I also highlighted Kyle Lowry here. He's sort of in the same boat. Now he's with Miami. Uh, playing alongside Jimmy Butler. Again, he, he's ranked 43rd. I'm I'm not interested in guys like this. Like you have to figure new team, uh, you know, has to, you know, get acclimated to the environment, how they play. You can't bank on the same stats that you had on the previous teams. And he's, he's like, what, 37, 36, 37 years old. Like, I don't, I just, I can't buy into that. Um, so many second, third year guys I'd much rather have than, than Kyle Lowry and Kemba Walker at that price. Yeah, if we're comparing them, I'd rather have a Lowry over Kemba Walker because Kemba Walker scares the shit out of me, man. Them, those knees, or I should say that specific knee, 
you know, last year, this guy was getting stem cell injections all last season, probably to deal with some arthritis or something in his knee. And it's a shame because, you know, Kemba at its peak and his prime was one of the most dynamic guards we had, you know, between the crossovers and step back fadeaways and getting to the rack. But now, man, I think he's he's quickly become one of the more riskier guards to select in fantasy, really just due to the headaches of the questionable tags, right? Like he was a late grab in free agency. He could still get a bucket. But to be honest, the the Knicks selected him so that they could spell Derrick Rose and potentially have some more upside to get quickly some minutes as they manage Rose and Walker's time. Because really what they need Walker for is the playoffs. They don't need him in the regular season, maybe to get a couple wins here and there. But that timeshare is going to be brutal uh, with so many people potentially handing the rock and affecting his usage rate. So to me, this is probably one of the wildest rankings that I've seen. This is probably up there for me with the LeBron at 12. <laughs> yeah, I think Kemba Walker's is not even a top. I, I would say that he, they're, they're right now they're ranking him as a mid fourth. That's crazy. That, that's yeah. just that's downright disrespectful. So to me, I would actually put him in like the top. I wouldn't even put him in the top hundred. I don't know that I will. <laughs> like he's, I'm that it's, low on him. And just the op- he doesn't have enough time. Like there's not enough balls to go around for him yeah. to be that guy, right? I hear you. And he's gonna be splitting with Derrick Rose. I think yeah. the common denominator here with a lot of these players is ten years ago, <laughs> like I'd want all these right. guys on my, I'd want all these guys on my team. KD, LeBron, DeRozan, <laughs> like Kemba, Lowry, like that's Ru- a, that's Westbrook. a stack, yeah, like, that's a stack them, yeah. squad from like 2012, 13, right? Or am I am I totally off base here? <laughs> Like, no, I think, you're, you're right on track, bro. Yeah, we want to make sure we're, we're shooting for the stars here. We want to get those second, third, fourth year ascending players that can, co- you know, go into, a, you know, the next stratosphere. I'm not interested in all these guys, especially at the overinflated values. Like if, if these guys start to drop short, sure, take a chance on John Moran at 80 overall. No problem. But 41. No way. Yeah. And my last two. um, I'm going to go with Miles Bridges. So they got him ranked at 64. And dude is legit one of the best in-game dunkers probably we've ever seen. Has he entered that category? Because I think he has. In-game, fair. Miles Bridges? I was watching. I was watching. I was watching an old dunk contest with Jay Rich and Desmond Mason. They were throwing down some mean dunks. But yeah, there's always, if you go on Twitter, like any night of the, any night the Charlotte Hornets were playing, there's always a Miles Bridges poster. So yeah, he's, yeah. he's, an, he's an in-game dunker extraordinaire. Yeah, totally agree. All right. So last season, he finished 93 overall. And I think that that's really inflated because he really just balled out when Gordon Hayward went out with the ankle injury, right? After April, he put up 20 plus points, six rebounds and three assists to finish out the year. The team just added Kelly Oubre and they have a ton of ball dominant guards. They drafted Book Knight, LaMelo Ball still there. Terry Rozier had an all-star level type season. And I think he's still probably going to be very solid. To me, I think Bridges is actually just going to be more of a role player in a really dynamic, fast-paced offense. But to me, I don't see him cracking the top 70 here. He's more of an 80 to 100 range for me, mainly because he's not going to be the same guy. Unless they get rid of Gordon Hayward, I don't see his path to consistent minutes and opportunity as much as it was towards the end of last season. So that's a bit inflated for me. The last guy I'm going to throw out there real quick, Ben Simmons is ranked 44. With all the turmoil that's going on in Philly, I want no parts of Ben Simmons right now. I don't know when he's going to end up back on the court. This holdout could go longer than we expect. If he goes to the Warriors, his value is saved. If he goes to Sacramento or some other small market destination, who knows what's going to shape out there. I just don't want the risk of having to deal with a guy that refuses to shoot offensively. 
but still gives, does everything else for you. But he can't shoot free throws, doesn't shoot three pointers, just too many deficiencies in his game to really jump behind him in a, in a head-to-head category league. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm off Ben Simmons because I don't, I don't know what team he's going to be playing for. It's likely not going to be the Sixers. He could hold out. The Sixers need to get value back for him. So I'm, I'm totally unsure about that situation. And I don't think his value increases anywhere he goes because I don't think he's willing to shoot. 100%. All right, so that will conclude today's episode. Make sure you check back in with us next week. We'll, Koffler and I will go over ESPN's top 150 buys, the guys that we're really feeling relative to ADP. And then we'll also have a special guest coming up, tell you more about that when it drops, but then also look out for our top 150 rankings heading into this season. And yeah, Adam, you can find him at Adam Koffler. Find me at Dan Titus on Twitter. Make sure to check out all Action Network podcasts, Big Bets on Campus, Fantasy Flex, Links and Locks, and the flagship The Action Network podcast. So until then, we'll holla at y'all next week. Peace.